All right. Good evening, folks, and welcome back once again to our Friday. Excuse me. It's not Friday. It's Wednesday. Welcome back once again to our Wednesday live broadcast. I am excited tonight that we have Pastor Arash here to join us for a Bible study. As you can see, in addition to Arash, Rachel has decided to join us. Arash is excited because I think tonight with his new glasses, he felt he needed emotional support from not just one friend, but two friends as we do this live. So both of you can go ahead and come off of mute. You're still on mute at the moment. And we're going to get ready to go ahead and turn this over to Brother Arash. And he is going to bring our Wednesday night live Bible study. And tonight we're going to be talking about baptism and the significance of Jesus' name. And so without further ado, at this point, unless you need us, Arash, Rachel and I are going to mute ourselves. And we're going to go ahead and say hi to everybody and turn off our cameras. And you can take it away, my friend. Fantastic. Thank you, Brother Desi. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. Um, well, um, so glad to be with everyone here tonight. Um, I decided to, um, you know, I've always admired uh, Stephen, and I felt it would be appropriate um, to look like him as well. And um, I've already shaved my head. I've grown out my beard, and I was just missing um, my wonderful glasses. So uh, thank you, Stephen, for being such an excellent leader. Um, try to emulate you as much as I can. Um, today, tonight, I want to um, I want to thank our IT department. Um, they have been phenomenal. The amount of work and time that it takes to uh, do the videos and do these live streams it's it's a great deal of work, and I, I feel like we should just kind of give them a a round of applause for doing such a wonderful job. And um, it's been a good learning curve for all of us. I think any one of us can now go into the corporate world and, and be very successful uh, because of the pandemic. Um, but I'm just so grateful for our IT department. Well, tonight, um, we're gonna be talking about baptism. But before we start there, um, I do wanna go ahead and show my sources. Um, so that way you don't feel like I'm making things up, which sometimes I do. Uh, the I am is one of those greats. And then, of course, uh, the new birth. And there is uh, Brother Bernard, his most updated picture there. Um, and, of course, you know, the lost world of Genesis, all excellent books that kind of contributed to my, um, my lesson here tonight and my Bible study. I hope you guys are ready to dig deep as we kind of look into baptism. The purpose of names in the ancient world was to give purpose or function. The, in the ancient world, names were not so much concerned about their origins. You know, when they would look around the world and they would look upon the trees or, or the flower or something, their concern wasn't, I wonder where this tree came from, but what is the purpose and the function of this tree or this, you know, this flower or whatever it might be. And it also bleed into the idea of names. And names were not only identifiers, but they were descriptive of their purposes. Abraham would be a father of many nations, and his name was changed from the exalted father, Abram, to Abraham, father of a multitude of nations. Jacob the liar, the heel grabber's name, was changed into Israel, one who had fought with God and man and has prevailed. Names are not just identifiers, but they carry with it purpose and function. 
So keep that in mind. But tonight we're going to be talking about the name. We talk about baptism and we all know it's, you know, yesterday it was being buried with him and, 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 and Rachel did an excellent job about being buried and talking about that being buried and about obedience. Um, baptism, we also want to look at something that, you know, we, we probably need to get a clear idea of, and that's what name do we get baptized in? Do we get baptized in Stephen's name? Do we get baptized in Rebecca's name? Is there, is any name, can that be, can we use any name? And even Paul had a big problem with this. And so they were just, what, are, what name should we do? Well, here at Newark, we are all about the Bible. And we want to make sure that we get definitions, not from Webster's Dictionary. We want to make sure that we get our definitions from the biblical word. So there's a difference between a biblical definition and a definition from Webster's, all right? There's, there's two different things. So we want to make sure we always look at the scriptures and see what does the scriptures say? What does the Bible say about that name? So we want to go ahead and look and start in a great place to start. We want to see it being acted upon. How did they baptize in the Bible? Not just talking about it, but the very act of baptism. And we go ahead and we move to Acts chapter 8, verse 12. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Hold on one second. It's a little hard to see with these glasses on. Um, I believe it's this one here. Share. There we go. So we're going to go ahead and go to Acts 8. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they began to be baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And afterwards, he was baptized and he stayed close to Philip constantly and when he saw the signs and the great miracles that were occurring he was amazed now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God they sent Peter and John to them and these two men went down and prayed for them so they would receive the Holy Spirit for the Spirit had not yet come upon any of them but now here's very very, very important but they all had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here we see again, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now there's only a few occurrences here in the Acts uh, where we talk about this name, about being baptized. In what name? Is it, is it Rebecca's name? What name do we get baptized? Well, we look at the apostles and how they did it and they baptized in Jesus' name. And again, we'll go ahead and look at chapter 10. And then chapter 10, we're going to go ahead and look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had accompanied Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, the uncircumcised of all things, for they had heard them speaking. This is very key. How do we know the whole, what the Holy Spirit is? They heard him speaking in tongues and praising. Again, we take biblical definitions, not definitions from Webster's Dictionary. We always look to the scriptures 
how did they define it, what it meant to them. And then God, and then Peter said, verse 47, no one can withhold the water for these people to be baptized who have received the spirit. How do they know they received the spirit? They were speaking in tongues, just as we did. Can he? So he gave orders to have them baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there we go. We see it again. In the name of Jesus Christ. Um, there's one other occurrence we can look at. It's uh, chapter 19. Hold on. Let me make sure I got the, um, the right. Hold on. Give me two seconds here. Chapter 19. And uh, hold on. Let me get my calendar out of here. And so let me move this up here. So we're going to look at verse 1 in chapter 19 in the book of Acts. While Paulus was in Corinth, Paul went through the inland regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples there. There were already disciples and said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they replied, no. There were already disciples, but they were asking about the Holy Spirit. No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So therefore, their information is outdated. They had no idea what was going on. So Paul said, into what then were you baptized? If you have never heard of the Holy Spirit and baptism, how were you baptized? Well, we were into John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who, has to, who was to come after him. That is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in tongues. Again, this is the third occurrence we see where they're baptizing in the name of Jesus. So they're baptizing not in my name, not in the pastor's name, not in Paul's name, not in some other name. They're baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. It's very, very critical. And then, of course, one other occurrence, you know, I've one other occurrence here, we will look at Peter's message on the day of Pentecost, and we will read from verse 37. I want to make sure we, we see the scriptures. Uh, you know, I'm not making this up. This is, we'll go from line to line just to show how the Bible defines what that name means. And here we see in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were acutely distressed and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do, brother? So here's Peter. He's, he's preaching a message and he's saying, you crucified Jesus. It was all of you. And they were pricked in their hearts and, and they felt repentance and they began to ask a question. They asked a question. They weren't forced upon this. That's a whole other message. But they asked the question, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent each one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. So once again, we look at the scriptures and that name that we baptize in is in Jesus name. It is in Jesus name. And Jesus is not a very special name. 
It's not a special name. I want to make sure we understand it. This wasn't, the angel didn't come in and just be like, and here is a new name that no one has ever heard, and it's Jesus. And we're like, whoa, I've never heard of that. I could name my kid that. No, this was a very common name, actually. There was all kinds of Jesus just walking around. All right, so I want to make sure we understand that it's not that the name itself is special. And of course, it was the Hebrew, Yeshua. It's not that the name was special. It was what is applied with it. Faith. An act of faith. And Yeshua, which means salvation of Yahweh, has come. So it is faith combined with name that gives us the power to wash away sins. It's that name that is very critical that we invoke that and apply it in baptism. I remember um, I was a sophomore in college and I decided to take a trip over to uh, Israel. And I remember I, I took a plane from Chicago to London. And then from London, it was about a five hour flight. And we ended up at Tel Aviv airport. And I remember I got off the airport and it was this beautiful airport, um, lots of lights, uh, different types of airliners. And I remember we, I got off, I, I got my luggage and I began to go and I came to customs and they asked for my passport. And I remember I, I gave them my passport. Now, my passport has something very interesting. It says born in Iran. And uh, at this time, this particular time, um, Iran was not in good relations with, uh, with Israel. Um, so it always made my trip a little bit more interesting. So I remember they said, oh, you know, that's because it's a red flag. They have, to, they have to know who this guy is and what his purpose is and what is he trying to do here. And so they asked me a very, very interesting question. And I remember I was, I was just standing there. There was people behind me. Um, there was two, you know, desks and there was like a light and they were looking at my passport um, and their light was on and it was kind of in a tunnel. We, ca we came through a tunnel. Um, and as we came down the tunnel, that's where the customs agents were. And um, so they asked me a very, very interesting question. They said, okay, um, uh, what your last name, Ahmadpur? I was like, yes, yes, yes. What is your grandfather's name? My grandfather's name. And it, it, it threw me off a little bit. And, and I'm just like, my grandfather's name, uh, maternal or, or paternal, Wh which side? And they said, your father's side. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, um, Jafar uh, Goli, uh, Jeffrey, uh, we actually named my, my son's middle name Jefferson is after my, my, uh, my grandfather. Jafar Goli, they're like, okay, okay. And so then they asked me for my other grandfather's name and another, and they just wanted to know my lineage. And I remember I, I talked to the missionary there and I thought, well, that was such an interesting thing. I've never experienced that. He said, well, you're from the Middle East and around here, um, you know, the technology has changed. We've become even more, you know, modernized and everybody has cars and, you know, all kinds of technology. However, the culture has not changed. And your lineage, your inheritance, your, your name carries with it something. So I'm thinking, well, what am I, what if my grandfather did something crazy? Like, I don't know what, what he was up to. I mean, am I going to pay for his sins? <laughs> uh, he didn't. He was an, he was an extremely honorable man. And, uh, my dad speaks highly, highly of him. I, I, unfortunately, I did not meet him. I, he died um, 
while I was very young, so I never got to meet him. Uh, one of the regrets I have in life. But, but he, they wanted to know my last name and they wanted to know my lineage and they wanted to know about my family, my family history. And, and so then it became very clear that that is very important. Even today in the Middle East, that's very important. And it was also very important in biblical times. Um, Ezra 2, chapter 2, and we're going to go ahead and read verse 61. Now, stay with me here. I'm, I got a point here. It's, it's all coming together. You just got to stick around. 61. And from among the priests, the descendants of Hobiah, the descendants of Hakaz, and the descendants of Rezalia, who had taken a wife from the daughters of Rezalia and the Giladite, was called by that name. And they searched. Well, watch this. They searched for their records in the genealogical materials, but did not find them. They, therefore, were excluded from the priesthood. That's how important your lineage is. You got to take it all the way back. So when Paul says, I'm a Levi of Levi's, he's genealogy going all the way back to the original priests. Okay, that's a, that's a big thing. That's a power move. That's saying... I'm actually George Washington's great, 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 great grandson. I hope that was enough greats, but it was, it's kind of like that kind of a power move, like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. I'm the great, great, great grandson. There's, so there's that, this power move. Um, and so this lineage is very important, even in biblical times. And I think it's very interesting how Paul brings this language in. And we can read Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to go ahead and look at verse 25. Well, we'll start at verse 23. Now, before faith came, we were held in custody under the law, being kept as prisoners until the coming faith would be revealed. Here's Paul talking about the law and how faith in Christ is way better than the law. And thus the law had become our guardian until Christ so that we could be declared righteous by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, there's another word there. There's another you know, illusion there. It's talking about that name, Jesus, baptized into Christ. Have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. So my lineage goes all the way back to Abraham. When I took on that name and it was invoked upon me when I went under the waters. So that's my last name. And it's, and it's very interesting. Here's Paul and he's making the claim. He's saying, don't lean on the law anymore. You're not going to be judged by the law anymore. Now the law, you know, the, the, it's become even stricter now. You're going to be judged by faith. You have taken on the name of Jesus Christ. You have taken on the name of Jesus Christ. So we can take our lineage 
all the way back to Abraham. Well, what does that mean? What is the purpose of all this? That means we have responsibility that we are Christ-like. That means that we have taken on that name. And we talked about names earlier and how there is a purpose. There is a definition, a function. So that means when I go under the waters of baptism and I take that name, not only am I part of God's family, but now my purpose has changed. My goals have changed. They've been realigned to something different. It's no longer what I want. It's what he wants because I'm part of the family. There's no longer, well, that sister or this sister. No, no, we're all together in this one big family. And we are all Christ-like. So the, the baptism has multiple facets. It's not only about, it's not salvific. It's not only about salvation. It's also about taking on that family name and treating our brothers and sisters with kindness. But it's also realigning our goals, our purposes with his. You can't, you can't see your plans. It's covered in the blood. Have you tried to look at something covered in blood? It's, it's smeared. It's, you can't see it because our purpose is something different. It's his purpose for our life. I get it. I get, I get the, the Minionites and I mean the Minionites. I, I get um, the Amish when they want someone to be 21 to be baptized. They understand there's a great deal of responsibility and ownership when you take on that name. And that's what that means when we take on that name. It's not only salvific. We, we, we just, we harp on that. That's extremely important, but it's more than that. It's about aligning our purposes with his purpose. It's about being Christ-like. It's taking him on, becoming like him. And trust me, my dear brothers and sisters, we're nowhere near it. Well, you're being kind of gloomy. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying we, we have hope. We, we, we have the spirit living inside of us. We can lean on him. We can help us and, and lead us and become more Christ-like. Help us, God. Align our purposes. Align our goals. Align our motives. Let our motives be your motives. Let our values be your values. That's what it means to be baptized in that name. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 for in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, we were all made to drink of the one spirit. That passage is talking about the baptism of the spirit, but it's also talking about that baptism of water and taking on the name and what that means. Thank God I had an honorable grandfather that he didn't have any kind of crazy background. <laughs> Let's take on that name and that responsibility. Let's take ownership of that name that's been applied to our life. Amen. Amen. What does it mean to have the name applied to your life in baptism? What does that mean? It means what you've been learning in small group. The fruits of the spirit, it's, it's showing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness to people who are mean. It's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, self 
control. It is focusing on others instead of always concerned about yourself. It's about serving. Because that's what Jesus did. He gets the the basin and he pours water and then he puts a towel around him and, and then he starts washing the disciples' feet, which are disgusting. That fecal matter and Lord knows what they've been stepping on. In ancient times, remember, there was no sewage system. And he's sitting there washing their feet because that's what servants do. They're not trying to prop up their own agenda. They're trying to prop up his agenda. Are we doing that? Are we propping up his agenda? Are we aligning our purposes with his purposes? That's what baptism means. That's what it means when we take on that name, that responsibility. And part of it, Rachel kind of hit it on it yesterday. Part of it isn't just natural, it's obedience. It's we, we have to make ourselves to be faithful, make ourselves to be kind and patient. It's interesting. I picked Abraham and Jacob because each was renamed in the pursuit of God. They both got new names. When they encounter God, God said, you know what? I'm changing your name. And that's what we've done. We've been baptized into one body. And sometimes we do a disservice and injustice to the text and the scriptures. We have taken on Jesus. How I treat my kids is critical. How I treat others is critical. Mercy, patience, all very difficult virtues to have. If it was easy, everybody would have them. But that's what that means, taking on that name, taking on the name of Jesus. We're all one family. We're all one body. And we need to take ownership of what that name means. So if someone says, tell me about your background. Oh, brother, sister, I, I can go all the way back to Abraham. I have, I have a massive family all over the world. I have people from all over the world praying for me. That's powerful. We are, we have inherited this heritage and um, it's amazing. Do we know what that baptism means? Taking on Jesus, amen, taking on Jesus. Well, Desi, um, I guess we can kind of um, open it up to um, questions and um, comments, whatever it might be that uh, people are, are kind of wanting to dig. This is a, a, a wonderful subject. I'm so glad we, we talked about baptism and, and um, how important it is, how important it is. Oh, absolutely. Um, you did an excellent job, excellent job presenting that tonight. And Thank I'm you, sir. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to see what you did. We're going to come to this view now.
And so for those of you who are on the live broadcast tonight, we've posted it in the chat feature. But I want to go ahead and make sure it's clear to everybody that if you have any questions at this time, perhaps any comments or something like that, you can go ahead and bring them forward. I think you did an incredible job presenting it tonight. I saw that someone already referenced in the chat feature. Well, uh, I think he just answered all the questions. But <laughs> we're going to open it up for questions to see if anything comes up. And Rachel's going to be watching the stream to see if anybody has any questions that they want to post for Arash. And then while they're doing that, if you don't mind me interjecting something, while you were doing this tonight, I was reminded, talking about the power and significance of a name, there's another story from the book of Acts in chapter four, and it doesn't have to do with baptism. But if it's okay, Arash, I was going to read a couple of scriptures that Go ahead, reinforces, reinforces this idea. I am I don't have a screen to share. I just simply pulled it up on my phone. <laughs> so I guess I could hold my phone like this, but I'm not going to do that to everybody. I'm just reading out of Acts chapter four in the New Living Translation. And if you go back later, it's a great time to reread this. So church family, in the next day or two, go back and read Acts chapter 4. But if you don't remember, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are now on trial. It's with the Sanhedrin. This is the judicial court in the city of Jerusalem. So they have been dragged into court. They're facing criminal charges, in essence, for their time period for causing a public disturbance. And the public disturbance that they had caused was that the day before they had prayed for a man at the temple gates who had been lame and they prayed in the name of Jesus and he regained his ability to walk. And it created quite, quite a commotion, quite a ruckus in the temple grounds. And so now they've been arrested and now they're in court to defend themselves for making a public disturbance. And then jumping down in verse 7, as they're standing in front of this religious council, it says, they brought in the two disciples, the two disciples being Peter and John, and they asked, they demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Mm. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel. Peter, Peter says, boys, just in case you miss this, I'm going to speak slowly. That's right. Let me clearly state to you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Mm, mm, mm. So notice no other Peter name. links... Peter links not only baptism, but he, he links this name with salvation and that there's no other name under heaven given whereby we are saved. Our salvation is linked to that name of Jesus. And when we join together with him in baptism, taking on his name and becoming part of his family, use another biblical metaphor, part of the bride of Christ, there's power in that name. There's power in that name. There's salvation in that name baptism in that name it goes on and on and on 
And Arash, you did an excellent job tonight of just presenting a handful of scriptures. I know you could have gone a lot longer. There are many other places we could point to in the book of Acts and also in the New Testament where name, and even in the Old Testament, as you brought out, now that I'm saying that out loud, where names are very significant. Names represent authority. And so we want to be baptized in the name of Jesus, not only for the reason stated, but also because we see it as the clear example in the book of Acts. So let me let me throw a question at you as we're getting started here. Do you see in scripture any other way in which people were baptized in the New Testament other than in the name of Jesus once the church started? No, I do not see any other name. <laughs> I have not. I have not. I mean, if, okay. if you can find so we them. Don't, right, right. So we don't see another example in the no. New Testament once the church starts. Are you saying that all the examples we see are in the name of Jesus? They're all the examples are in the name of Jesus. Look, read the book of Acts. Read it for yourself. All the examples yeah. where they're actually doing it. It's in them. Or they're, they've, they've alluded to the name. Mm-hmm. So it's... Exactly. Yeah. It's, all so the name it's, it's, it's clearly the example that we see repeatedly from the scriptures. All right, all right. Rachel. We've got some I'm not paying attention to it, but I see the... The chat I've scrolling on my other screen. Here. Got questions for him. Or the first one, uh, multiple people would like to know: What is your glasses prescription, and or are they fake? They are not fake. It's a uh, negative fifteen, the same prescription as uh, Stevens. So, um, <laughs> I love my brother. He knows that I love him, and I get to pick on him. So, all right. Well, the next question is. Why do you think last names and where you come from, heritage, not location, are so important almost everywhere? Um, I, I think it's just, it, it's sort of like a background check. Um, you know, you kind of go work at a very high security job and they do a background check on you to see what kind of guy you are or what kind of girl you are. Names, your last name, it, it it really does open doors and close doors. And unfortunately, it kind of still does that too here in the United States. I mean, if you're a, if you're a Kennedy or if you're, you know, you have one of those names attached, you get, you get treated a little differently. Let's, let's be honest. Um, you know, or you're a celebrity or, you know, something like that. So uh, I think it's human nature. We, we um, we're built for it. We, we like the idea of, of connecting something. So. Okay. Good answer. All righty. Question from Antoine Allen. Um, what is a good way we can serve others while at home quarantined? That's the first part. Also, you look like you're about to go pod racing in Star Wars. Wanted to make sure you got that that reference there. Sebulba. Um, reference. That's a good reference. I love uh, Sebulba. said you looked like the mole from Atlantis. The, the, oh, yes. Yes, the cartoon. Yep. So uh, those two references there. And then, so what is a good way we can serve others while at home quarantined? How about serving your family when you're quarantined? That's a little harder, to be honest with you. Um, I think that's a lot harder. That's a lot harder. I know. Let's just go serve a bunch of strangers because it's so much easier serving strangers than your spouse. Or I'm sure, right, everyone's marriage has been strengthened through this quarantine period, right? We all feel Everyone's like so much closer a, together. I do notice Desi and Rachel are in completely two different rooms. Just so you guys know. 
we're we're both on the broadcast we're, tonight. We're on, different, <laughs> we're on different floors. I'm in the basement and she's upstairs. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, like all the way upstairs on the second floor. You know, there's there's a whole floor between <laughs> us. <laughs> just in case, just in case, it's the buffer. We've gone zone. to our own corners during. I, <laughs> I I think it's 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 harder to be kind to your siblings. Um. That's really hard, especially when they don't deserve it and they're being jerks. Um, yeah. <laughs> being kind to our our spouses, our relatives who are near us, because you're still you're still seeing them. Can't get away from those guys. Um, so I, I think when it's when we're practicing servantship, it, it applies to all, everyone. And that's that's very true, and it's hard right now. <laughs> My kids are even experiencing it. My kids are like. They're not even in the house. They're not. <laughs> they're, they're down there, but they're they're experiencing it. They're struggling. They've been stuck together since March. You know, uh, yep. it's it's difficult. Okay, we have two questions that are very similar. Um, I'll read off the first one and then let you segue into the next one when you're done with this. To what name or names was Jesus referring to when he commanded us to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? That's an excellent question. Um, I wasn't going to go there, but thank you for bringing it up. Um, uh, here we again, we're seeing baptizing in the name. Of course, that's singular. And then it gives these titles. It's the Son, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And then when we go to the book of Acts to see how the apostles interpreted what Jesus was saying, we don't see them doing that. We see them baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we had about five. And that's why I wanted to make sure we saw it for ourselves and we read it for ourselves. We read it word for word and we see every single occurrence where they're baptizing somebody. They're baptizing them in the name. And I don't think that's the power of Jesus. Like this, oh, that's talking about the power of Jesus. But really it was the father. No, I think it's, there's a literal sense here. I think they were really baptizing in the name of Jesus because um, that's God's revealed name. Yeah. And little little bonus question for you, Arash, tied to that. How long of a time period elapses between Jesus' command, what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and the day of Pentecost, where Peter is preaching and telling people to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Not very long. Is it 50 days? Well, it's 50 days total from the crucifixion to Pentecost. But keep in mind, he had been resurrected. And after he had resurrected, then it says that he spent 40 days with them. So depending on how you do the math, we're talking either nine or 10 days between the instruction that we see what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where he says to go baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he sends them into Jerusalem to wait. And it's about nine or 10 days later, again, depending on how you count the days. When we reach the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is poured out, and now it says all 12 of them are standing together and preaching and proclaiming the message of Jesus and telling people to be baptized in Jesus' name. And then after that, as you've already pointed out, in Acts, the only way they baptize is in the name of Jesus. So either, and, and we say this respectfully, we're not trying to pick a fight, but either the apostles got something wrong and misunderstood Jesus 
and they messed it up within 10 days of him giving those instructions <laughs> Ten days <laughs> and then repeatedly continued to make the same mistake for the first 200 years of church history. Or there's something else going on there that exactly. developed later. Exactly. They don't have short term memory loss. You're absolutely right. I, that's that's a very, very good point. I'm glad you brought that out. It's 10 days. So and it's kind of important. They've been baptizing people. I mean, baptism is not, and we, we, you know, Brother Moss kind of covered that as well. It goes all the, it's, it's part of Jewish culture as well. So yeah. this is a big deal. They're not going to, they're not going to forget this. It's not a new thing that they're doing. No, no. So, so one of the other questions that went with that was, what do you say to someone when they think Jesus name isn't any more important than the father, son, Holy spirit? Would you say refer to scripture our basis is scripture we always refer back to scripture right sounds what you're saying is we don't argue with people we point people to scripture um it's it's that's our basis for that's our basis based on the biblical definition of baptism we see that it's being done in jesus name now you can look at history books and you can look at commentaries and you can look at all kinds of things but if you want to be biblical and that in a sense means actually reading the scriptures right. then yes we see we see it being done in the name of jesus and even scholars believe it or not they don't all agree on this because no scholars ever agree on anything but even scholars agree that the first century church historically baptized, right yeah historically, nobody argues that historically it was exclusively right. in the name of jesus exactly for the first exactly. at least at least the first century of the church if not the first two centuries and if, if I can add a comment to that. The other okay. thing I would say, in addition to, no, we don't want to argue with people, but if you haven't, whoever asked that question, if you have an opportunity to talk to someone and they're asking why you take this position on baptism, by all means, do point them back to the scripture. Do remember the goal is not to start an argument. So let's say you can win the argument. Let's say you win. What, what do you gain by that? You embarrass someone, you make them angry, they shut down, they're not listening to you. You don't actually win. So there's no point in- What does it mean to put on Jesus, Desi? Uh, is it be argumentative and win as many arguments as possible, be a know-it-all and tell people how much you know and just rub it in their face. Oh no, it's love, joy. Right, <laughs> right. These fruits of the spirit. It's a great plug for our small group series that you all should be engaged in right now. But in addition to that, what I would say married with that and I, I've seen this, and probably multiple of you have, if you have the chance to talk to someone about this, and they are coming from a different faith tradition where the baptism has been explained to them and taught to them differently, you can point them to the scripture, and then you can put it back in their lap, their perspective, and you say, you know what? I've presented to you what I see from the scriptures, and so I would encourage you now to talk to God, because this really isn't about me, and, and spend time in prayer and see what God tells you when it comes to baptism and when it comes to what we see in the scriptures. And then you leave it in their hands to have a conversation with God. And I'm not worried about people speaking to God and asking him about baptism no. and what kind of answer they'll get back if they're genuinely having a conversation with God. So leave the decision in their hands. That's right. We have two, I'm going to skip down a little bit. We have two mm -hmm. questions that kind of follow up what you're talking about right now. Um, one is when and why did people stop baptizing in the name of Jesus? And then how do historians explain the change? Oh boy. <laughs> um, 
Well, and 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> Ooh. Um, as I'll, I'll give you this. Okay. As the congregation started to change and become more Gentile and not as a Jewish focus, things started to change a little bit. And the idea of, I'll go there. It's fine. We're alive, but that's all right. Uh, the idea of one God, who is Jesus, this one God, once that changes to a Trinitarian perspective, uh, where we see three different separate but distinct beings, then we start seeing that coming right back down to baptism. And it eventually starts influencing uh, the scriptures. So culture, really what happens is culture takes over and starts to interpret what the scriptures are supposed to say. Instead of allowing the scriptures to speak to us, we have now taken culture and turn it around and put it back on the text. And we, um, and, I, and this is, I, I'm not saying that, I mean, this is wrong because you can come to the wrong conclusions, but we do this too. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, we're not immune to this as well. I mean, we do this all the time, especially politically. All but, um, <laughs> but I, and yeah. Desi, you could, you could add some two cents as well. And sure. Maybe, I, maybe I'll add a nickel's worth instead of just <laughs> two cents, but. I, 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 as you're speaking, I, I have these memories flooding back to me in seminary. And I know you took the same class as I do. And we had one particular professor who, who was fond of making this statement that there was an epistemological shift within Ooh, Man, I love that term. The second century, right. Some big fancy words. Let me break that down. Here's, here's the short, the short as I can say it and be respectful. Exactly. By the time we get to the second century, as a whole, not individually, but culturally, the nation of Israel has rejected Jesus as Messiah. And it's almost, it's certainly predominantly, it's almost exclusively become Gentile, the people who are being reached with the message of Jesus and the gospel of the New Testament. So what this means, if you think about church leadership, is that by the time we get to the second generation of leadership, now we're at timothy and titus and those guys these are the people trained by the apostles then you get to the third generation of leadership now we're at the people trained by timothy and titus and their peers and they're almost all gentile the jewish influence in christian leadership has begun to fade into the background and the people who are becoming christians justin martyr is an excellent example out of the second century are adults who are well-educated and they're trained. And Justin Murder was a Greek philosopher who became a Christian. And he is not a bad man. He genuinely was a disciple of Christ. Yeah. And so Justin Martyr is now in a leadership position and he's writing and in, and in, in his own writings, he's evangelizing. He's trying to reach other Greeks and philosophers. And so you see a development. It's not this on off switch. That's a misunderstanding. It's, exactly. it's, a, it's a spectrum and it's over the course of about 200 Very years gradual. where leadership becomes almost entirely Gentile and it's heavily influenced by Greek philosophy, Platonic thought to be more precise. And so they're trying to explain God, but they're not coming from a Jewish background. And as they continue to have these conversations with each other over the course of several hundred years, it is not an overnight shift we get the development of what becomes the Trinitarian doctrine. I'm not picking a fight. 
any decent church historian will agree with exactly what I just said. This is not something that develops overnight. And in this shift in language and in this shift in thought, we see a development of a further understanding of these three distinct identities, these three distinct personas within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we begin to actually see a blend with baptism. We see some people who baptize in Jesus' name and some people who are beginning to emphasize this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Take that forward through the march of time, and by the time we get to the 5th century in the 400s, now we have what we would consider with the Cappadocian Fathers a fully developed Trinitarian understanding of the Godhead. And almost exclusively now they've shifted from Jesus' name baptism into a baptismal formula. That's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then post-Constantine, we see a state-recognized religion and endorsed by the Roman Empire. And so you have papal influence and authority, and it becomes more rigid and cemented, and it just continues to develop. And so the weight of church history marches forward, and through 1,500 years of church history, the predominant view is that of the baptism in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you get a well-trained, educated church historian or college professor, someone who teaches theology, no one's going to deny Jesus' name baptism. Nobody's going to deny the validity of it. No one's going to deny the historicity of it or how that was the original church formula. It's just that they see this as a progressive development of what's happened over time. They don't see it as a betrayal. They don't even see it as like a change as in a shift. They just see it as a further progression of what has happened through church history. There is no, it's a myth that there's some secret conspiracy out there with church leadership that they decided one day to change the baptismal formula or that these people were trying to hide Jesus' name baptism. There, There are no public enemies, number one, when it comes to this sort of thing. It's a slow fade and a gradual shift that has happened over time through well-intentioned people who are just expressing their understanding of the Godhead. And so that was probably a little more than a nickel's worth of commentary. It it was excellent. You're absolutely right. It was was gradual. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't a night and day shift. And, and these were people, I I think they were very sincere. They were, they were trying to explain and, and really where the issue is. And again, we're not trying to get, I'm trying to be careful here, but, but the issue is, is, is the incarnation how God became man. How does God become a human? And, and this is a different topic for another time, but exactly. the, first, the first believers walked and talked and ate and traveled with Jesus and their minds were trying to wrap their head around this idea. How can this guy be God? Exactly. exactly. You get 200 years and four or five generations of church leadership removed And the question has flipped on its head. And now it's not, how can this man be God? Now it's, how could God be a man? Yes. And it's a different perspective. Your starting point determines where you'll end up. Exactly. Your starting point. That's excellently put. Yes, you're right. And so it's, and so they were just legitimately trying to grapple with this and, and culture came in and eventually they've developed a, a wonderful theory. So um, I could give a plug for how you and I had an excellent early Christian history teacher who made us read the writings of Justin Martyrs and some of these other early Christian fathers so we could see that shift. But you know what? I'm actually not going to go there. I'm not going to give that guy a plug. I had a teacher name. (laughs) 
All right, you two. Look, there's another question. I, you pretty much answered it. Um, but okay. are the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost more powerful or scriptural than the thousand or so other titles, Lion, Lamb? You know, uh, it, or I know you said that this is kind of how they, they go that direction because those three titles are more powerful. Why why would that, that be to be picked over baptizing in as the, the lion, the lamb, the um, Emmanuel? I, probably the way Jesus talks about, I think, I think it's Matthew, Matthew 28, 19. He says, you know, go out and be baptized. This great, powerful commission. And uh, it's actually part of our uh, All the great commission. The, yeah. <laughs> all disciples of all, and then go baptize mm -hmm. them in, in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So I think, I think that influences people. Um, well, Jesus said it, so it must be true, you know, that, but they don't understand what Jesus was meaning by that. Um, and, and, and God is infinite. He has all kinds of titles. Um, you can't, you just, you can't pinpoint it on here. God, once you think you, you figured it out and put him in one box, he breaks the box and goes into another one. So uh, good luck <laughs> trying to figure that out. Um, <laughs> all right. We have another question that brother Moss, um, answered the, the other night, sort of, I, I think mm -hmm. he answered this question, but um, did Adam, Eve, Noah, and other people from the Old Testament get baptized or is baptism only in the New Testament? So when we say baptism, um, baptism is in the New Testament in the sense of how Jesus, you know, changes it for salvific. Uh, but, but the idea of going in water uh, has been around quite frequently in the Old Testament. Um, but I wouldn't say in regards to as what we understand as baptism in the New Testament was what the Old Testament was doing. And you can see from Paul's, um, uh, the scriptures we were reading today was from Galatians. You, you were to lean on the law, but now it's changed. Jesus has come and now you have to have faith. It was Christ. a foreshadow. It was foreshadow. something that pointed forward to something that was coming later. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. We we see ceremonial, sometimes referred to as ritual cleansing throughout the Old Testament and the Mosaic Law. We certainly see water as a purification all throughout Scripture, going all the way back to Genesis. But baptism as we see it, and more specifically, baptism as a sacrament, as part of our um, Christian devotion, as part of our salvific experience, that is not developed until the New Testament. And if you want to be real precise, and you can go look this up later baptism as far as even a conversion act when someone who is a proselyte my kids asked me this the other day a proselyte is someone who is not born into judaism in in scriptural context bigger terms proselyte is someone who basically another word would be a convert someone who becomes a follower of a specific way a specific belief proselytes to judaism who came into judaism they were not baptized into judaism until the post-babylonian exile so this is something as an actual conversion ceremonial rite that doesn't even develop until towards the very, very close of the Old Testament and really into the what we call the Second Temple period. This exactly, exactly. Interim and, period between the Old Testament and the gospel message. And, and one plug there is that um, circumcision was um, kind of the identifier of how you were identified with um, with Yahweh. Not baptism. Right. Not baptism. And so baptism becomes a new circumcision. And what's amazing about that is that it opens up the gospel to all genders. 
Um, so now women and men can be circumcised of the heart and uh, not physically. Right. Very good. All right. We have another question, but before that, um, there is some wonderings if you and Meg are also in separate rooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are funny. And then a reference to if anyone is struggling, uh, Sister Elizabeth Dawn can recommend you to couples therapy. <laughs> All right, we do have a, another question. It is not on the topic of baptism. Just a second, I'm gonna I'm gonna double check and make sure. There's so much commentary here. I'm having to scroll. I'm scrolling back and forth. Well, let me give an invitation while you're scrolling and figuring that. If you are watching our broadcast this evening yes. and you are not familiar with what we're talking about, or perhaps tonight's broadcast has made you look at something a little differently, made you think about something in a new light, please, please hear our heartbeat that we are in no way trying to start an argument. I hope you heard our comments about not starting an argument. We're simply sharing what we see from the scriptures as the biblical formula for baptism. Mm -hmm. And so if you have not experienced Jesus named baptism for yourself, let me extend an invitation. Let me invite you, please spend time in prayer. Talk to God. See, see what he shows you. If you need to, these are recorded. You can go back to our YouTube channel, Newark United Pentecostal Church. You can watch this again. Take notes if you didn't the first time. You can look up these scriptures. Go back. I'm going to spit it at you real fast. But go back and see the examples that you see in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19. Those four places, you will see repeatedly these examples of baptism in Jesus' name. Go read the account I read part of in Acts chapter 4 where the disciples are put on trial for a public disturbance because of what they're doing in the name of Jesus. And yeah. then spend time in prayer and just ask God to reveal his will to you. And after spending time in prayer, we invite you to contact us if you would like to be baptized in that wonderful, powerful, saving name of Jesus. You can reach out to us on newarkupc.info. And if you click on our website, you'll find all kinds of information. And you can scroll down to our general information card. And on that card are several subcards, including one for a baptism request. If you're not ready for that and you just have questions, you can reach out to any of us and we'd be happy to answer questions for you i'll publicly state my church email address right here it's desi.lugo at newarkupc.org so that's d-e-s-i dot l-u-g-o at newarkupc.org and so if you're watching this whether it's live or you're watching this broadcast sometime later talk to god and see what the spirit reveals to you now is a good time to be baptized in the name of Amen. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, We're coming to the top of the hour. So do you have one more question? One or minute. He took two and a half of the three minutes that we had. But it was um, important. Sister Leela asked a really good question, but due to time, Pastor Stephen already answered it. So if anybody's wondering about that, you can look in the comments. Uh, one of our young people had a question. In some of the stories of the Bible, God told people that they wouldn't have any descendants if they did something wrong, like a particular, usually it was idol worship or he was, he was referring to destruction usually because yeah. of continued, not one action, a continued action. Why would he punish other people for what they did? Like their descendants, why would they, he not allow people to be, to be born? It looks like is what, what she's saying here. 
Um, that's an excellent question. Um, and again, in, in biblical times, um, it was a little different. Your idea of how you carried on that line, uh, having boys and carrying that name was very important. As you can see from Rachel and Leah, she was producing boys. And so she was more valuable than Rachel who wasn't producing. And um, so the idea of carrying that line is what's so important. And of course we see Jesus coming and kind of putting a kabush on that. Uh, he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch who has right. no lineage. Who the cannot Philip have, does. The Philip baptizes Philip, the Ethiopian yes, eunuch right. in the name of Jesus. In the right. name, exactly. In the name of Jesus. There's and that Acts 8 story. There's an Acts 8 story. Right. That's right. And, um, and he baptized him in Jesus name and, but he has no lineage, but he can trace it all the way back to Abraham because he has Jesus now applied in his life. All right. Well, we are definitely at the top of the hour and we want to thank you all for joining us tonight and for all the engagement. I haven't been able to follow it. Rachel's been doing it, but I see lots of comments. You can't see it, but I have two screens. So on my other screen off to my left, I see all these comments where lots of activity. I hope that's a good sign. We thank you for joining us our, with our live broadcast. If you've enjoyed this and you'd like to see us in a live format, Come back this Friday, July 3rd at 7 p.m. Once again, we'll be broadcasting on YouTube and Facebook. We're going to have a special guest. Pastor Stephen is doing that interview. I don't think, did we give it away, Rachel? I don't think we give it away. I don't think we no? won't give it away. No. All right. She's saying we're not giving it away. You'll just have to show up and see. It's going to be a great time. You won't want to miss that interview. And as always, you can catch us online at 7 p.m. each night, Tuesday through Sunday at newarkupc.info. Thank you, everyone, and have